For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The following presentation is brought to you by Sports Ethos. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. This is the Sports Ethos Draft Podcast, also known as the Sports Ethos Business Podcast. This is David and Isaac, no Candace today. Throughout the draft process, it will probably just be myself and Isaac as Candace is not as into this part of uh, basketball. So uh, we are happy to shoulder this load because we love it. We're going to get into six prospects tonight. Uh, most of these guys are guys that could be available for the Grizzlies in the position that they're drafting in. Some of them are a little bit earlier. Uh, it kind of it's wild to me when you look at these guys that we're talking about tonight, the variance and where you see them in mock drafts, depending on what site you look at. Uh, we're, we're talking about uh, Atari Eason, Patrick Baldwin Jr., Usman Zhang, Nikola Jovic, uh, Kennedy Chandler, and Jaden Hartley. I knew yeah. all of them before I got started, <laughs> but I wanted to look to make sure I wasn't skipping anybody. And, and there's really – there's a wide window uh, of – you know, I've seen uh, Kennedy uh, Chandler like up close to lottery um, and, and then yeah. as far back as late first round and kind of the same thing with Zhang as well. Um, you know, the, the discussion, I think, between these guys that we're talking about tonight is who is the number one European prospect? Is it going to go to Usman or is it going to go to uh, Jovic? So we'll break that down. We'll talk about these guys and uh, see what we think. Isaac, for you, if I'll, I'll I'll let you answer it right off the bat. Who do you think is a better prospect between those two? Because I think universally those two guys are the top of the list whenever it comes to uh, international prospects. Yeah, I think those two guys are definitely at the top of the list when it comes to the international guys. Um, I think my thoughts probably differ from what you see in most mock drafts. You talk about the variance of these guys. I mean, it is. It's all over the place. Like, I think Tanker, I, th I did some research uh, the other day to kind of find out what was the most accurate mock draft over the last few years, and Tankathon has actually been most accurate. But you look at Tankathon, and then you look at, say, for instance, NBADraft.net that I looked on right before we jumped on here, and they're, like, all over the place. Like, I think they had Zing down in the 20s, I think, maybe on NBADraft.net. I think Tankathon has them up closer to the lottery. I mean, these guys are all over the place. but as far as those two guys, for me, uh, Nikola Jovic, uh, not to be mistaken with Nikola Jokic, back-to-back -back MVP. So don't, people that aren't familiar with these prospects, Nikola Jovic uh, is the international prospect um, in, in this draft. He's one of my favorite prospects overall. Uh, even if I was in the bottom of the rollery, like say the Grizzlies had got that Lakers pick, I would still be looking at Jovic right there at 13, 14, 15, wherever that pick landed, 10, 11 wherever it landed, he would still be on my radar. That's how much I like him. But Ding is a guy who doesn't really have the production yet, but you can see just watching him on film, the potential that he has. Uh, I think 
if, if he ends up going outside the lottery, I think of the guys that are outside the lottery, I think Dean might have the highest upside of, of any of those guys. I mean, he you can look up a few years from now and he could be one of the best prospects out of this draft. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But I, I, right now, I would say Jovich because, I mean, I've, for about a year, I've been telling people about Nikola Jovich. Man, he's one of my favorite prospects. So I'm excited to break him down tonight. Yeah, I think he, he was eligible to get drafted last year, right? Joe, what was he did was he at the age limit or did he just hit um, this year? I think he, he is because I know I that I, say, he, he, he's still 18 now. He's turning 19, so he'll be 19 okay. by draft night. So I think he Probably might have might have been a little too young. Yeah. Yeah, I just missed it last year. Yeah. I know I looked into him some last year. I, I couldn't remember. There were a certain like some boards had him on it, and I'm like, I, I couldn't remember exactly where his age fell. But, like, my biggest thing with, with Usman is I've got, like, don't be duped. If you look at his stats, if you look at what he shot from three, you know, I, I you're going to get misled. 27% doesn't look yeah. like he's much of a shooter. But if you watch video on this kid, you, you see him coming down the floor hitting some transition threes. And the stroke, it like, it's very fluid. There's not a yeah, lot of wrong with his movement. No, like, nothing wrong with his and, and so – the one thing that I I I say the one thing I've learned a lot of stuff is I've I've been digging through the draft and, and learning about prospects and learning how to uh, really analyze the prospects. But you you can't always look at the statistics that they're putting up based off of like you can look at them, but you shouldn't put a whole lot of weight into them. And I think a great example of that is what the Grizzlies done with Zaire Williams last year because if you look at his numbers at Stanford. You're yeah. like, why in the heck are they taking this guy top ten? Potential, but then you potential, see the potential. way that he, the, you know, the way that he finished the first half of the season, and it's like, okay, like there's what they saw. This is what they kind of expected they would see from this kid. And so, if you're digging into percentages of a, actually a lot of the guys that we're talking about tonight, yeah, you're going to get disappointed looking at the percentages because they don't look that great. But these guys make no mistake about it; have a lot of tools. So we're, we're kind of bouncing back and forth. Let's go ahead and, and start with uh, Jovic. And, and you know, what's the biggest thing from him that you like? Uh, I think the first thing that you see from him is size. I mean, uh, a guy on a wing that's 6'11", uh, 223 pounds, uh, seven-foot wingspan. I think a guy that size that can really run the floor. Uh, I mean, he's high basketball IQ. can really pass the basketball. Uh, you see the point forward skills. I mean, he's a guy that can, could, for the Grizzlies, kind of slide into the, that Kyle Anderson role offensively, uh, kind of the way he plays one guard, point forward and would be an upgrade as far as offensively, I think, right out the bat. I mean, he just does a lot of things well. I mean, he's super skilled, uh, can, can move really well, uh, moves really well out the basketball. He's, like I said, the playmaking ability. Um, he's shown the ability to really make tough shots. When guys close out on him, man, he can, can adjust and, Still get a shot off. I mean, he makes these unorthodox shots. When when guys close out to on him, he has the ability to to kind of blow by those guys and get to the basket. I mean, he's just a prototypical what you want from a from a big wing. Uh, but can slash, uh, can can do a lot of things. The playmaking ability, I think, is big for for a guy six eleven. I think that was when teams watch him on tape. I think that's the first thing that you're going to see. And you look at his, his three point numbers. He's a really good shooter. But as you talked about earlier, only thirty three point nine percent from three point range. That's not fantastic, but I think he's a much better shooter than, than that. For some reason, when you look at these European prospects, usually for some reason, their percentages aren't high. Even Luka Doncic, you see what 
he's done offensive in a way he can shoot the basketball, his three-point percentage wasn't super high uh, overseas. And that, that's something that I've noticed. I think we talked about that last year. We were talking about a couple European guys. For some reason, those numbers just usually aren't – don't jump out the page for, uh, for you. Uh, but, I mean, he can definitely knock down threes. I think 33.9, I think he could be even higher than that in the NBA. I think if you're going to look at the negatives with him, as, as most European prospects, it's that athleticism and, and, and the foot speed. And, and are they going to be able to guard? I think that's the question with him. Uh, I think one thing that you watch on tape with him is he does struggle going left. I mean, he's mostly all right right now. Every time he goes left, it's usually something negative. He doesn't have the strength and balance when he goes left. That's definitely something that he's got to prove on. Um, he, he, he can block shots a little bit. Uh, he, he, he doesn't do well at point of attack defense, but he's going to get smaller, quicker guards. They, he has a hard time kind of keeping them in front of him guys can kind of blow by him, and I think that's going to be the area that determines just how good he can be. But on the offensive end, I mean, he can do a lot of things for you. I think he's going to be a guy that can score for you, get to the basket, make plays from day one. Um, I think it's just defensively, you look at him as a small forward, power forward. He's kind of a combo forward, but I think in the NBA, he's probably going to have to, to probably play more than four, and then, of course, it becomes then, is he strong enough to guard some of the fours in the league? So I think those are the negatives when you look at him. But, man, watching him on film, I mean, he's smooth with me, the guy at that size. I mean, he's quick. He just doesn't have an elite first step. But you watch that guy, the handles, the way he can get to get up the floor, make plays, dish the ball off to the open shooters or create for himself. He can slash in the basket again, man. I just love what, what I've seen from him, man. I think he's has a, a, a super high floor. Like, I think it's a, not a good chance that he's a bust. I think he's going to be at least a decent rotation player even at worst, and I think he could be more than that. I think what happens with him on the defensive end, I think it's going to be the big question of him going to the next level. Yeah, I, I think the the European athleticism, I feel like that is a tired, wasted conversation, honestly. Like you see it a lot, and, and it drives me nuts because we just witnessed back-to-back MVP seasons – from quite possibly the least athletic guy in the NBA. Luka Doncic is not the most athletic guy. He's still out here cooking people. Like, you don't have to be overly athletic to be successful in the NBA. You just have to be a good ball player. And, and you know, this guy definitely is. The, you know, motor is, is something that I saw mentioned a couple times whenever it comes to him, um, he had a couple showings in international competitions and like an 18U uh, thing where his body language was just bad. I think some of that change, like when you're 18, there, there's a lot of stuff, like you're going to show a lot more emotion to me. And I think as he matures, a lot of those questions are going to kind of fade away. Uh, but, you know, I defense – is definitely not his strong suit. So that, no, that would be like to <laughs> no, say that. not that's, at all. That's something in order for him, like he's going to bring it on the offensive end. And the uh, he won the MVP of the Adidas Next Generation Tournament in Belgrade. Yeah, he's he also averaged the name 29, of the 10, and 5. Like he, he – gonna... go ahead, man. Oh, sorry, sorry. I was going to say he was also named to the uh, all-tournament team to 21 people on the 19 tournament. He averaged 18 points, 8 rebounds three assists in seven games. So, I mean, he's done really well um, in yeah. international competition. But like you said, defensively, there are times where I forgot to mention it, where he just kind of gets lost. I mean, and that's 
that's typical of European prospects. There, there's no doubt about that. You're usually not going to, when you talk about European prospects, defense is usually not going to be the first thing that comes up. Most of those guys in Europe, they struggle defensively. And like you said, Luca is not a guy that is really stopping anybody. But you see, he's an MVP candidate because what he does on offensive end and everything else he does. So, I mean, and I think that's the same thing. You got to kind of look at these guys. Luca is a great example of being a player that's not great defensively but still out there doing a fantastic job, one of the best players in the league. Sorry to cut you off there. Yeah, no, no, no. No, you're good, man. That I, I think one thing that we got to make clear is we're not implying that we think that this guy is going to play at the no. level that Luca. No, I think to be Luca, but he, he's going to have to be better defensively in order to earn those minutes. There's no doubt what he brings to the floor offensively. Great secondary playmaker. I think that he's a more than capable catch and shoot guy. Some of the video that I've watched on him, I you know, there's been a a few that I've watched where he would you know would be cat you know standing in the corner. Nice, quick release on the catch and shoot. So he, there's a lot offensively from him. It's just, is he going to have the drive to put the effort in that he needs to get on the floor and be not a not a cone out there? You need him to just give effort. He doesn't have to be an all-defensive player, but he can't be a total loss on the defensive end because I don't know that, at least right now, I don't know that he's going to bring enough offensively that you can leave him out there if he's a total loss on the defensive end. Yeah, uh, but that, that's definitely going to be the question. But again, but I think when, when you look at these prospects, especially when you once you get out of the lottery, the top end for the first, first round, I look at guys that you can see both ways. Like I think he has a high floor, uh, but I think there's also potential for him, like you said, to grow on the defensive end. I think if he can grow on the defensive end, I think that makes him a, a complete player. Uh, but another thing offensively that, that I've seen from him on film is he's super creative. I mean, he finds ways oh, yeah. to score, like ways at the basket, like these weird, like getting around guys and laying up kind of like a Kyle Anderson, like kind of some of mm-hmm. those weird moves that you see him do. Jovic is kind of the same way, man. He finds ways to, to score at the body. He does a good job of kind of making himself smaller, as they say, and kind of getting around defenders. Um, I mean, I, I just love him, man. He's, like I said, prototypical typical wing player, like slasher, just score guy that you can can do a lot of things for you on the floor. I mean, the only weakness pretty much is defensively, like I said, going left. Uh, he definitely struggles with that. Like I said, I watched it on film and pretty much anytime he goes left, it ends up being a, a negative play. I think that's something that will definitely be highlighted when, when he goes in the NBA because guys are going to figure that out and they're going to play him that way. Uh, but but a lot of potential there and I think you can do a lot worse uh, at 22 and 29 than Nikola Jokic, man. If, I got a feeling that he's probably not going to be there but if he is, man, and the Grizzlies do stay at 22 and 29, man, he's right there at the top of the top of my list of guys that I'm that I'm interested in there. And with the depth that the Grizzlies have, they can take a chance on a guy if, if yeah, he comes over and he's just getting destroyed on the defensive end of the floor. You can send him to South Haven. South Haven. Dra- dra- drafting them that late in the first round, send him to South Haven. Let him work with the coaches. Let him get some experience with, you know, like the, the bigger, faster, stronger players and get to that level where they can be productive. You know, they, they drafted Aldama at the end of the first round and he spent – the entire season pretty much in South Haven developing his game. And we got to see flashes of it at the end of the season from him. So this is something out of any of these guys, you could draft them late in the round 
And if they're just not at the point where they can be on the team because you're putting yourself in the best position to win, if they're not going to be productive at the level you want them to, you can take a little bit of time to develop these guys. They're in a really good spot for that. You mentioned not being able to go left. I think that's a great transition for the next guy. He was kind of the first guy on my list. And I'm going to ask you, you can probably clarify this. I heard, I I always, when we're going into this, I always watch video and I listen to the way that they're pronouncing names. I heard this dude's name three different ways. And is it Tari or Terry Eason from LSU? I've always thought it was Tari. Uh, that's okay, that's what so, how I pronounce it. I think it's Tari Eason, yeah. Like the the announcer, the LSU announcer was saying it that way, but I'm I'm watching different videos and I hear different stuff, and I'm just like, man, I have no idea. These dudes are getting paid at a high level to do this, <laughs> and they're saying his name. I don't know which way to go, but that's one of the one of his issues. Probably, I wouldn't say that it's his biggest issue. But this dude cannot go left. He can go right. No. He can be extremely yeah, he does not effective. Go left. <laughs> you know, LSU, their coaching staff, which they, they changed the uh, head coach from Murray State, took that job. But they drew up a lot of plays for him to where he could go right. If you watch the video of him trying to go left, it gets ugly. That There's been – he doesn't trust trust his left hand with the dribble. There's times when he's cutting across the lane and he needs to be dribbling with his left hand and he's dribbling with his right. And if he does that against NBA talent, he's going to get destroyed. They're going to strip him. The ball is going to be going the other way for a turnover. But he has a lot of good stuff, of like a super athletic, yeah. great defender. And I, I think you look at, the, again, the numbers – don't necessarily say it, but I feel like he has extremely good shooting upside. And I, I think that, you know, we talked about what the Grizzlies need. Shooting is definitely one of the areas that they need to improve in. And so that this is a guy that I think could bring those that there's a really good chance that he'll be on the board at 22 and 29. Yeah, I, I love Tari. Uh, like you said, man, I, I think he has tremendous shooting upside. You look at the numbers. Not a not a big shoot sample size. He didn't shoot a lot. Didn't even shoot a full three of the game. Zero point eight on two point four attempts for thirty five point nine percent from three. But you look at his free throw numbers, eighty point eight percent. That's usually a good indicator of of a guy shooting ability. I, I think he definitely has more more three point shooting ability than he showed. I think if he shot more, he'd make more. Just didn't shoot a lot of them. But I, I think he's a great fit for for what the Grizzlies need. You talk about a a big wing. I mean, he's 6'8", 217, but he's a combo forward. He can play a lot bigger than that because of his athleticism and his length, 6'8", mm-hmm. but has a 7'2", seven, 7'2", two, seven, two wingspan. I mean, he's strong, but physical, uh, super athlete, has a high motor. Um, he's switchable on defense. You talk about defense, like you said, he can guard threes and fours uh, with, with ease. I mean, I think he's a player that's really, really shooting up draft boards. I hope he doesn't shoot up too high, because again, I wouldn't mind at all him there at, at 22, man, because you look at his numbers, man, 17 points, seven rebounds and assists, a block, two steals um, in 24 minutes a game. Uh, just had a, a really good year, uh, sophomore year down at LSU. And, again, man, we one of the needs of this team we talked about is a, a, a big wing. I mean, and he, he is definitely that. Um, a guy that I think has tremendous defensive potential uh, as well. And, and if you're thinking about possibly moving on from Dylan Brooks, He's a guy that has that size that Dylan has. 6'8", 217, like you said, yeah, big, strong, stronger. Yeah, 7'2", wingspan. Yeah, 7'2", wingspan. 
yeah, he's yeah. a guy that can, can guard, like, that has the potential to guard guys like Dylan can and also can, can bring some of that three-point shooting ability. So I, I think he's a perfect guy for, for this team. Um, I, I love, again, man, the switchability on defense. And anytime you get a guy that plays as hard as he does, I mean, that's one thing you're going to get with Ethan, man. Always, always plays super hard, high motor. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you got to like what you saw, man. When you watch film, you, you got to like what you see when you turn on Sorry Ethan. But you, like you said, going to the left is, is definitely going to be an issue. I mean, you go – Bring that in the league, man. Guys are going to sit on that, man, and you're just not going to be able to do that. So that's definitely something that he's going to have to improve, man. But I love him as a prospect. And you kind of look at this Grizzlies roster, and you want another guy that you can develop, especially if you you do feel like Dylan Brooks might be a guy that you might move on from in the future. He Because definitely a guy that you can, can kind of put in there as a replacement and, and kind of let him go in there and, and, and grow and, and be a guy that could potentially fill that role. I, I love his fit on this team. Yeah, I don't think that he has the playmaking upside, and that could change, obviously. But but I didn't really see a whole lot of playmaking skills from him. And that comes, again, from his ability to only go to the right. So that's something they're going to yeah. work on. And I another thing that I wrote down is kind of a, an improvement area on him. His release is very slow. Like, it's not Kyle Anderson slow, but it, it's – I, I, I don't like, know if anybody's got Lanson slow, yeah, but <laughs> like, I, I feel like he's got a lot of wasted movement in, in his release. And, and so while you still, you, you know, you 80% from the free throw line, that's good. It doesn't matter how slow your release is at the free throw line, as long as you're knocking them down. I think that his form is something that when he gets to the league, that's going to be one thing they're going to be working on early. They're going to be going you know, get, getting in the lab and trying to shorten that stroke up so he can get rid of the ball faster because he needs a lot of time to get that shot off. Yeah, I mean, he does kind of have a weird, weird release. That's definitely something that he's going to have to work on. But again, man, I think most of these guys that we're talking about, uh, that that's why these guys are not going to the top 10. Uh, I mean, there are things, even the guys going in the top 10 have things to work on. So no guys that are projected mid to the late first round and on are going to have they're not going to be perfect prospects, but again, man, I mean, this front office has been able to key in on the right guys, um, and I trust them if they take one of these guys, if they see something in them, uh, something they can work with, and I think Tari East is definitely has a lot of positive. I think the positives definitely outweigh the negatives, and I think that's kind of what you want, especially when you're drafting in, in this range of the draft. Yeah, so we'll move on from him. I, I don't have much of anything else on him. I think we covered that pretty well. Uh, we can do another one of your guys here if you want, man. Which way do you want to go with it? Uh, let's let's go Kennedy Chandler. Uh, okay. Kennedy Chandler's six foot, one hundred seventy two pounds, uh, six five and a quarter wingspan, uh, nineteen years old freshman out of Tennessee, uh, eight foot one standing reach. Uh, it's, it's pretty good for uh, a player that's six foot tall. Uh, originally out of Brockcrest High School here in Memphis, uh, so a Memphian, he did transfer his senior year and play uh, at Sunshine Christian Academy up in Kansas. Uh, 24-7 sports director of basketball uh, recruitment said Chandler was one of the prospects that helped himself the most with his measurements and, and drill results. Had a really good good combine. Uh, started all 34 games for the balls last year. 14 points, 3.2 rebounds, 4.7 assists, 2.2 steals, 46.4% uh, from the field, 50.4% uh, on twos, and 38.3% from three on about four attempts per game. Uh, the weird thing about him is his free throw, free throw shooting, only 60.6%, which is striking to me. Man, I watched him sometime in high school, and I don't remember 
him being a bad free throw shooter. That number is kind of weird to me because he's That's a really good Memphis shooter. coming out any man. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a really good shooter. Uh, otherwise, because anytime you see a guy shooting thirty eight percent from three on four attempts at Tennessee, that's really good because they usually don't shoot a lot of threes. Like when you look at Tennessee guys, like for some reason their, their numbers are always low from three. Grant Williams is an example of, of a guy who did not shoot the basketball well and then he got in the NBA and he's become a guy that can knock down threes. So if you see a guy that's shooting 38% on four attempts from, from uh, Tennessee, that lets you know that they're probably a pretty good shooter. But Ken, Kennedy has always been able to knock down threes. That 60.6 from the free throw line is definitely concerning for a point guard. I mean, you, you want that number a lot higher than that. We kind of talk about John Moran and some of his struggles. I mean, that's even worse than that, man. A, a point guard down to 60%, that's not good. And it's weird because there's definitely not anything wrong with his form and he can knock down threes, man. Just It has to be a concentration thing. That That's the only thing that I can see it is because he's too good of a shooter. There's nothing wrong with his form. There's no reason he should be shooting 60% from the free throw line. But, um, I mean, I love to uh, Kennedy, man. Just a Winner, heady basketball player, high IQ, man, thrives in the up-tempo game, which obviously fits the way the Grizzlies plays. Um, he, man, he can get it done in both ways, man. Scores for himself, creating opportunities for his teammates. I mean, like I said, he's small at 6'0", 172, but makes up for it with his strength. And he's elite athleticism, man. He's explosive, 41-and-a-half-inch vertical, uh, one of the highest at the combine. Man, I knew he could get up, but I didn't know he had a, a 41-and-a-half-inch vertical, man. So he could really get up and get out the deck, and that helps him being a, being a smaller player. Uh, but but though he's a point guard, man, he does a really good job of, of scoring off the ball, man. When when he's off the ball, man, does a good job of off ball movement. Good rebounder for a small guard. Uh, let me see, what did he average? Uh, three point two rebounds a game. Um, at six foot, man, that's not bad at all. Uh, I, I wouldn't say he's a great defender, uh, but but he's a solid one. Uh, does does do a good job of getting in passing lanes. Um, I think one time he, he does have a tendency to gamble, um, and sometimes he gets beat. Uh, when, when he does that, but um, I mean, he's a solid defender. I think I don't think he's going to be a guy that that's a bad defender in the league, and I think he can even get better. I think he could be a good defender uh, by the time it's all said and done. Uh, like I said, good three point shooter. Uh, doesn't shoot a lot of threes, but I mean, he's a guy that can definitely knock him down. Even going back to high school, talked about the free throw shooting. Cons would be um, he's kind of he's kind of streaky though. Uh, there, there are games where he gets hot and, and knock down shots. Other games that he can struggle in. Um, and I got a feeling that you kind of hear that with a lot of the guys that we discussed throughout this process. Um, and he can sometimes on defensively, um, sometimes he can, like I said, he can gamble. Offensively, there are times where he gets ahead of himself. He likes to play really fast, but sometimes he plays too fast. I think that's something that can definitely be coached and worked on um, on the next level, especially if he gets drafted by the Grizzlies. I mean, one thing that I trust this coaching staff with is player development and, and keying in getting their vitamins, so to speak, on things that they need to need to work on. Uh, but he can get get ahead of himself sometimes and get a little excited and and, and make some tough plays. Um, and though he's strong, uh, at 6'0", 172 pounds, going into to the next level, definitely going to need to get even stronger uh, to be able to finish through contact. Uh, but again, man, he's a, a winner. Uh, even going back to the high school in, in Tennessee, man, a great, great league guard. He's a guy that guys would love to play with. Uh, because he's unselfish. I mean, he can score, uh, but he also likes to get his teammates involved. He's, he's super unselfish and, and a guy that just makes one in plays. And if they move on from tires, man, he's a guy and you're going to go to rookie backup point guard route, man. He's a guy that I wouldn't mind at all. And, and I think a guy that can come in and, and play for you day one. Yeah. W- one of the things that, that I had down in my notes from the film that I watched on him 
was I think that he's going to be a plus defender right out of the gate. I, I really do. Yeah. And I, I saw some of the times that you were mentioning uh, of times when he gambles. And I think that can pay off at times. Sometimes gambling can, you know, you, you know, you could come out on the positive end of it. So as long as he's picking his spots there, periodically you're going to gamble like that and you're going to lose. It happens. But overall, I really do feel like straight out of the gate, he can come in and he can be a plus defender. I, I love his ability to facilitate. They say he's he's not a um, um, a guy that has to have the ball in his hands, but he's a guy. Yeah. If he does have the ball in his hands, he's gonna make high IQ smart plays. You don't see him making on, on the offensive end, at least. You don't see him making a lot of just like wild, dumb mistakes, you know, as a point guard, you want somebody that's going to take care of the ball. And he does that very, very well. Uh, I think, it, you know, I'm always scared when I see somebody that's got a free throw percentage that low, that's always a little bit scary. Yeah, to it, me. It's weird to me, man. And, and I don't it's know. Like, it's weird. It's almost like one of those numbers is false. Like either he's a good shooter and, you know, like there's just something throwing him off at the free throw line or that 38% is false, and I don't feel like that is the case. I, like, it just doesn't – there's nothing in his in his stroke that looks out of whack or anything. Like, it looks fairly textbook, so I, I don't know yeah. which one is which one is real and which one is kind of false, or maybe that's just the case. You know, maybe there is something like – maybe it's a mental block or, you know, uh, Brevin Knight, when he was on the show, we were talking about the free throws – and he said, you know, sometimes that's the hardest shot on the floor because that's not a rhythm shot. When you're training, when you're out there, you're putting up shots, you're shooting shots in rhythm. And when the game slows down and you're at that free throw line, it's not a rhythm shot. So it allows you to think about that shot more. And that's why some guys do struggle from the free throw line. But, you know, I, I'm hoping that the Grizzlies don't have to look for a replacement for Tyus. But he, he is a guy, in my opinion, he's the second-best point guard in the draft. And, you know, like you can talk about Ty Ty from Kentucky, but Jaden Ivey is one. And then for the second-best point guard, you'd be talking about Ty Ty or, uh, or Chandler. And to me, I would give Chandler the edge. And I think without a doubt that he is the fastest with the ball in his hand. Jaden Ivey is very quick. Jaden Ivey – has tools that Kenny Chandler does not have, but I don't think that Jaden Ivey is any faster with the ball in his hands than Kenny Chandler is. No, Kenny Chandler is, I mean, can go in the end just like that. I mean, he can really, really push the basketball up the floor. And, and you talk about Tyus Jones, I'm hoping Tyus Jones is back, but if you want to look for a replacement, as you said, you want a guy that's heady, that's not going to make a lot of mistakes, a guy that can come out there and run your offense. And, and I think year one, he's going to be able to do that. And, and like you said, I think he's going to be a really good defender uh, in this league as well. I mean, I, I think he's a guy, like I said, man, he's just a winning player. And I'm not a guy that all oh, their draft players from Memphis that played at the University of Memphis, a guy is from Memphis, but I definitely don't think it hurts because I, I think he'd be ecstatic to get drafted by the Grizzlies, man, have a support system. Comes from a great family, uh, private school kid, like I said, went to Briarcrest here in Memphis when he was here. Uh, and, and then off to Tennessee, but uh, I mean, again, man, uh, you want winning players on your basketball basketball team, guys that are high IQ, gonna come in and do things the right way. And not only is a good basketball player, I mean, he's really good off the court as well. Uh, just a good dude, and I, I wouldn't mind it at all. Uh, again, man, if they're looking back up point guard and 
they don't think they're going to bring Tyus uh, back, man. Right there, 22 if Kenley, or 29 if Kenley Chandler's sitting there on the board, man. I wouldn't mind at all uh, the Grizzlies putting the trick on him because, I mean, again, there's a lot to like there. And I think that free throw number, that's something I think his shooting is just too good. Like I, like I said, I've watched him going back to high school and even some at Tennessee. His shooting is too good for you to be him to be shooting 61% from the free throw line, man. I think that's definitely something that's going to be improved on. It's just weird to me because, again, man, nothing wrong with his form. I mean, he's a guy that could just come up, pull up deep from three uh, mm-hmm. and, and knock down three. So there's no nothing wrong with his form, man. That's just kind of peculiar to see that three the free throw percentage. I just think it has to be something mental there, and I think that's something that you can probably work on and, and get that number up. Definitely got to get higher than 60. Uh, don't want your point guard shooting 60% because he's going to get to the line just by the point that he's getting to the basket and, and getting into the paint. So uh, that's something that's going to be improved on. But, again, man, I think you Jaden Irvin is definitely the best point guard in this draft. But I think you look at Kendi and Ty-Ty, Ty-Ty has a little bit more size. But I think if you look at overall skill level, I think especially from day one, what, what they'll be able to do, I think Ty-Ty has more potential. Kendi is, is super solid. We talk about guys with a high floor. Yeah, I think Kennedy is definitely in that in that category. Yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, when you're having that conversation, the team composition is going to matter. If you're you're in a spot where you want to swing for the fences, I, I think that Ty Ty probably has Ty-Ty, a higher yeah. ceiling. Yeah. But if you need somebody that's going to come in and be productive from day one, I feel like I feel like Chandler can do that. I feel like he is a guy. Day one, he can come out, and he's going to be a solid basketball player. Not that there's not room for improvement for him and not that he doesn't have a high ceiling, but I, I just think Ty Ty overall is a better shooter. Uh, th- there's a number, and we're, we're not even really discussing him on this show. We will get to him probably on the next episode, honestly. But uh, th- there's just some things that I like from Ty Ty a little bit better. But Playoff basketball is what the Grizzlies are going to be doing. They're going to be in it. So when you're looking at these guys to draft them for the Grizzlies, you want a guy that is not going to make many mistakes. And I think that Chandler does a much better job of taking care of the ball. And so that for me, you know, I I don't see that there's any way that Ty Ty falls down to where the Grizzlies are drafting it. And honestly, you may not see Chandler down there either, but if it came down to it and you were picking between the two, I would give the edge slightly to uh, to Chandler just because of the way that he takes care of the ball. Yeah, I think especially for, for a team like the Grizzlies, I think if you're a, a bad team that, that's still trying to kind of find themselves and you're taking guys that, that based on potential, I think Ty Ty would probably be a, a better fit because the ceiling is definitely high. I think Ty Ty with the size and his shooting ability and, and, and some of the things that you see there, I think the ceiling is higher. But I think if you want a guy – that say you don't resign ties and you're looking at a guy that can come in and back up job right now. Kenny Chandler is definitely that guy because I think he's a guy that can come in, help you day one uh, in a lot of areas. Like you said, I think he's going to run the team, uh, not going to make a lot of mistakes, even as a rookie. And again, man, I, I think he's a, has the potential to be a plus defender. And I really like that because I think with a lot of these guys, that's young guys, that's the question. Uh, coming into the league, man, what are they going to be able to do defensively? That's the question that you're going to ask with a lot of these guys. And I think with Kennedy, you can, you can see some things there that lets you know that he's going to be a pretty good defender in this league. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and I don't know – I don't know that Ty Ty has got the – I don't know that you'll ever see him play at the level defensively that you're going to get from Chandler from day one. No, I don't, I don't think he's going to be a, a plus defender. I think he's going to be a, 
his, his ceiling is on the offensive end, definitely. I think that's what you're looking at with Tata. I don't think he's ever going to be a, a super defender. Uh, I mean, I'm not, not that he can't improve or, or get better, but I don't think that's what you're looking at with, with Washington. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we'll move on from Chandler, unless you have anything else. If you do, you can. But Patrick Baldwin Jr. is the next guy that we're going to talk about. I was going to save him for last whenever I got into, you know, going – Hey, he's been a guy that I've liked for a while uh, since early on in this draft season. Uh, you know, even before Isaac and I had started going on the show or, you know, going over show notes or anything like that, I've liked Patrick Baldwin Jr. He had some issues with injury. There's a lot of concern from the scouts about the health yeah. of that left ankle. He did, you know, he, he was at the combine. I, I feel like he done well. His athleticism didn't look great. The the standing uh, vertical and then, you know, his actual vertical jump, he's not a hyper-athletic guy, but he's six foot ten with a seven-foot-two wingspan. Yeah. You ain't got to jump that high to play above the rim if you're 6'10 with a 7'2 wingspan. So I'm okay if his vertical is not 40 inches. Um, I, I think, you know, he's, he's more than capable of being a three-level scorer, you look at, again, we, we talk about numbers. Don't look at his numbers from this year because if you look at him, it's no, not at ugly. all. No, you know, look at him at all. He, he struggled. <laughs> he struggled mightily at the University of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He, he just, or Wisconsin, Milwaukee, I, I switched him up there. Yeah. He, he struggled this year. But for a long time, he was a projected top 10 pick. And then he struggled against higher level competition. And so you're gonna, you're probably gonna ask me, well, why do you like this guy so much? Go and watch film on him and watch the good things from him, the flashes, what he's able to do. He can be a secondary playmaker. He rebounds the ball very well. Like at that size, that length, he's gonna be able to do those things. He's not a super elite defender, but I think that he can be a good defender because of the size and the length. I I just did not there was not enough to kind of deter me from liking this kid even though he did struggle this year there's a lot of things that happen whenever you take that step from high school to division one basketball yeah. and then the step again from division one into the nba and the reason why i like him so much is you don't get in the conversation of being a projected top 10 pick if you don't have the talent and one bad season doesn't mean that that talent is gone. And I think that the the showing um, B.J. Boston, he's with the Clippers. Before he went to Kentucky, he was consensus top ten guy. He was going to be in the top ten. He goes to Kentucky and he falls on his face. Looks like crap at Kentucky. But – Injuries happen. He goes to L.A. He ends up getting in the rotation for the Clippers this year, and he was productive. And, you know, Baldwin Jr. is not the same type of player as B.J. Boston, but that the talent level was there. He's a projected top ten pick, had the ankle injury, struggled in college, but the talent didn't go away. And, and I think that, you know, in his shelter run and the videos that I saw of him at the Combine – I would say that ankle is healthy. I, I, I would. I don't know. I've not read anything saying that they got a hundred percent full clean bill of health on that ankle, but he looked good at the combine. 
Yeah, I think you're you're right on target with Patrick Ball Jr. Just like you, he's a guy that I've liked for a long time as well, man. Working with rivals and covering high school recruiting. I mean, this guy was the top two player in the country uh, coming out of high school. Uh, I mean, just a weird series of events for him. Uh, he had the ankle injury in, in his senior year of high school and kind of took him out of his senior year. And he could have gone anywhere he wanted to. I mean, he had offers. Most people thought he was headed to Duke. I mean, he ended up going to UW-Milwaukee because his dad coached there. Um, I think in hindsight, that might have not have been the great greatest decision, but re-aggravated the ankle injury, tried to come back, then contracted COVID, had some complications from that. Then he ended up coming back, and the ankle injury kind of re-aggravated, ended up having to sit out the rest of the year. Just kind of a weird situation for him. But if you watch him on film, like I said, even going back to high school, I know that's high school. We're talking NBA. This guy had some elite talent. Like, you don't, you're not the number one, number two high school player in the country. And you're not talented. Um, I just think you look at the stuff at the combine. I mean, I'm not as worried about that as some people seem to be. I mean, when you you got six eleven, almost six eleven, seven seven two wingspan. I um, mean, you don't. You, this is not a guy that you're going to be looking to be playing above the rim anyway. I mean, you're looking at this guy is going to be a six eleven slasher, a guy that can really shoot the three. I mean, you watch some video on him. I mean, this guy has tremendous shooting ability, I mean, deep three-point range. It wasn't mm – -hmm. look at the numbers at, at UW-Milwaukee. Like I said, I mean, he only played in – what, he only played in, what, 12 games, 11 yeah. games uh, at UW-Milwaukee. 26.6% from three. Um, one and a half attempts to five point – one and a half makes to the five and eight – 5.8 attempts. Uh, just to, so that's that's not great. But, again, man, I've seen him in high school and other film on him that shows that his ability to knock down the three. I'm not looking at those numbers at all. And I think, for the most part, all the last year, I mean, he was a projected top 10 pick, like in every mock that you've looked at. And yeah. just injuries and stuff, you don't just lose your talent. I mean, you might be a guy that can't get back, but if you're, you're healthy, which I think he is, like I watched his shooting around video, I mean, you watched that video, I mean, you saw the way he shoot the basketball. I, I'm not worried about athleticism because that's not what you want from him. I mean, he's a guy that's going to be able to, to knock down threes, like you said, slash, and I feel like, that you have the opportunity to catch lightning in the bottle uh, because I feel like he's a guy that now looks like he's going to go late first, maybe even early second on, on some box that has lottery level talent that if he can get back and you can get that out of him, he could end up being one of the better players in the draft and he's going to end up being a steal where you can get him, man. I think the potential is there. That's why I would be willing to take him there at 22 or 29 because I just think I've seen enough from him to know that he has elite potential. I mean, because you saw what he did in high school, top two player country, man, just injuries and, and bad luck. I, I just think he's a guy that has a lot of tools to work with. And he got his six, six, 11 that can shoot the basketball the way he can. That there, I like, uh, you know how much I like, like big shooters, man. So he's right there at my wheelhouse of, of players, man. I just think he has some potential that, that can be unlocked and he can end up being a steal for whoever takes him in this draft. And I think for the Grizzlies, especially a team that, doesn't necessarily need a rookie to come in and play major minutes. They have the time and the ability to kind of wait. You can sit him down to South Haven, let him get better after ankle is still bothering him, let him get fully healthy and, and see what he has. Uh, because I think some of these other guys, I think you, you kind of know that there might be a little ceiling on them. I don't think there's a ceiling on Patrick Baldwin at all. And I think his ceiling is definitely higher than 20s in a draft. Will he necessarily ever get to what you thought he was? Maybe not. But I think there's a possibility that he does. And you taking him down there, man, I think, again, I think he could end up being a big steal in this front office. I think this this front office with the Grizzlies and this team is the right place to go. 
uh, for, for kind of an overlooked guy because I think they can take him and, and develop him, and, and I think he can end up being the player that everyone kind of thought he was coming out. I know there's been a thought that maybe he should go to the G League or kind of pull out and, and go back to college and, and, and see if – go to a different school and see if he can build back that potential. But it seems like he's going to stay in the draft, man. So, again, man, he's a prospect that I like. I know you liked it for a while, and I just think you could end up getting a steal at that point in the draft by taking it. What's up, guys? It's David. Before we go any further, I've got to take a couple moments here to tell you about our new partner at Ethos Grizzlies, Ember and Valor. Ember and Valor specializes in beard care products. Let them take your beard to the next level with their easy two-step process. You get started with the beard oil to condition your skin and prevent the dreaded beard itch. You finish it off with Ember and Valor's Beard Balm to condition and shape your beard. Go over to emberandvalor.com right now and use promo code ETHOSGRIZ for 25% off. Let them get you the beard you've always wanted. Emberandvalor.com, E-M-B-E-R-A-N-D-V-A-L-O-R.com. Promo code Ethos Grizzlies for 25% off. I've got to run it by you one more time. I can't allow you to miss it. 25% off at emberandvalor.com right now using our promo code Ethos Grizz. That's E-T-H-O-S-G-R-I-Z-Z at emberandvalor.com for 25% off of all of their products. Ember and Valor makes all of their products using all natural ingredients. Get over there, check them out, use the promo code, let them know we sent you. You will not be disappointed. Emberandvalor.com. Look good, feel good. There are less than a handful of guys outside of the projected lotteries or projected lottery picks. There are less than a handful that have that type of talent. And, and he's one of them. So if he falls to you at 22, 29, if he's on the board there, I feel like it's a no-brainer pick. Yeah, there, there's questions. But the truth is you don't know what, what a guy like Steph Curry fell to where he was because they were worried about his ankles. They were worried, is he going to be able to stay healthy? Is he going to be able to stay on the floor? And look what he is now. And – Again, when, when when I mention names, I'm not a big player comparison guy because, one, that's really, really tough to do. You don't know – nobody predicted that Kawhi Leonard was going to be the type of player that he is. Periodically, you're going to get some of those right, but more often than not, you're going to miss on those. So I'm not comparing him to Steph Curry in any way, shape, or form other than the fact that there are plenty of guys that come out of college with concerns about their health and they end up being really good in the NBA. And so I think the shuttle run is a great example of the agility. And again, his numbers were not that great, but the ankle looked good. If you go back and you watch the, you know, him going back and forth in that shuttle run, the ankle looked fine. I, I think that he's going to be healthy coming into year one, wherever he goes. I, I wish him the best. I'm going to be following him. There's certain guys when you're looking at draft prospects, you just, like you're going to be a fan of that person. I would love for him to be drafted by the Grizzlies, but I'm not going to get my hopes up because the guys that I like, even when they're on the board at a place that they shouldn't be on the board, the Grizzlies don't draft them. Yeah. So, you know, um, still a little salty over Moses Moody, even though it worked out what looks to be pretty good for the the Grizzlies. Uh, you know, James Bogna, man, I just uh, – 
mind blowing stuff last year. <laughs> so we'll, we'll get into uh, Isaac's last prospect for this show. Definitely not the last prospect for the show overall. Jaden Hardy, Isaac, I'll let you take off with him, man. Yeah, man, Jaden Hardy uh, played for G League at night last year, uh, 6'4", 195 pounds, shooting guard, 19 years old. Well, it was a 2021 McDonald's All-American uh, my senior year at high school. Uh, I mean, it, it is a transition. I mean, stepping up from high school, going to the G League, you're going against grown men, man. So I kind of look at these numbers and sometimes in temper them. Like, you can't take a whole lot out of these numbers, but his numbers were pretty good, man. 17.7 points per game. The efficiency wasn't good, only 35.1% from the field, 26.9 from three, uh, 1.8 uh, made to 6.5 attempts, 88.2% uh, from the free throw line. So you definitely like that. 4.6 rebounds, 3.2 assists, 1.3 steals, uh, did average 3.5 turnovers. And, and again, man, again, you, you're an 18-year-old kid stepping up against going from the high school level to grown man. There's definitely a transition uh, from, from high school to G League, man. That's a different, different world, man. You're going against grown men, but I when you watch him on the film, the first thing that jumps off the page with Hardy is just his scoring ability. Uh, does a really good job of moving without the basketball. Uh, can score off the dribble, uh, which is skills you want to see from NBA two guard. I mean, you watch him and you can just see the way he moves without the basketball. Uh, find ways. Doesn't take a lot of room to get his shot, shot off. He can shoot it from deep. Um, has some playmaking ability. Um, average 3.2 uh, assists per game. A big-time, big-time athlete. Uh, can really get up and throw it down. Uh, did, did test at the combine, uh, but but he has hops for sure. There's, there's no question about that. I love to know what that number is on his vertical, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's 41, 42 inches. Man, he could he could really get up and jump out of the gym. Also, a good rebounder uh, for for a guard. Uh, 4.6, almost five rebounds a game, and that again, that's going up against grown men. So you like to see that. Um, super skill, uh, really good handles. I mean, that's that's another thing that jumps off the page for you, man. Got a got a crossover first step can can blow by guys and get to the rim. I think some, some negatives about him is a streaky shooter. Uh, as you see the efficiency numbers that I talked about earlier, weren't great. Uh, young kid playing against grown men, man. I think you want to showcase yourself. That's kind of a weird dynamic. I, I'm really interested to, to watch guys that elite guys that, that leave high school, and go to the G league and kind of compare to what I, how I think they would play in college. That, that's a interesting dynamic that I think, People get to continue to study, uh, but I think you you going into the G League, you you're a guy that always I'm sure every level of basketball that you've ever played, you've been the man, and then you you try to go showcase yourself. I mean, I think there's going to be some efficiency issues for most of these guys. Uh, but again, man, he can get to he has a tendency on, on defense to when you talk about defense to gamble. Um, he can't get steals, get to passing lane. He does gamble, get beat sometimes that way. Um, offensively, he has a, a tendency to. To, to play hero ball at times, uh, so he will put up some bad shots. But you're going to see that from, from most scores. But, I mean, he's a guy that I think, again, man, I think it's going to take time with him. He's super young. But I think watching him on film, you see a guy who has the ability to think that he could be an elite NBA scorer. I think you see that. And I'm kind of surprised to even see him down. Like, I mean, there's some boxes that have him in the 20s. And, from seeing some of the things potential-wise, I mean, you look at some of those guys at the top of the draft, I think he could be right up there with them because I think there he has an opportunity. You can see it that he could be a big-time scorer uh, in this league, and he's not a, a terrible defender either. Uh, so I think that's – he has some elite skills, man. I think that he's super young and got to be developed. But, I mean, I, there's a lot to like about him on film. Like, I love watching him play. I mean, he's exciting 
exciting player, man. And you just see that NBA two guard in him, man, the way he moves around, the way he dribbles, crosses over, gets to the basket, man. I think you get him, and he's a guy that can be an elite-level scorer for you if he develops the way I think he will. I think that he could be a pretty good playmaker for other guys as well. You didn't necessarily see that with Ignite this year. but Yeah, you, that's you what go, I said. It's a weird dynamic with that. Yeah. Just, I, I don't know – that I was curious, and I talked to to Matt Babcock a little bit last year about it. We had, we had a pretty decent back and forth about these guys that go to the Ignite, even guys that are not like front-runner prospects that go, is it going to do anything to damage their draft stock? And, you know, Matt didn't seem to think so. He, you know, he said if the talent is there – you know, the scouts, when they're watching these players, the numbers aren't the only thing that they're looking at. They're looking at the athletic ability, the basketball IQ, you know, things that they're doing on the floor. When you're young, you're going to have some negatives. You're going to have some mistakes. And, and he did. He, he struggled. You know, even though the numbers look pretty good, I think if you ask Jaden Hardy the numbers that he put up, he's going to tell you that he struggled, uh, you know, in the Ignite or with the Ignite. So it's – one of the biggest things, like my number one thing that I wrote down on him whenever I'm watching film is just bucket getter. Like he, he is able to – He's a buck, yeah. Like he can create for himself. But if you watch Ignite film, it doesn't really – it doesn't translate. You don't see it as much because there was – he wasn't creating the separation that you would expect to see. You know, the, he averaged 30 points, nine rebounds, eight assists as a junior – and won the the 19 2019 2020 uh Nevada Gatorade player of the year. Yeah. So like he, he is it's so weird to me every time that I start diving into prospects and I'm looking at the guys that are ahead of them on the list I always question why. Like I wonder what it is because tell me when you're looking at this draft board what in the heck have you seen from Shaden Sharp? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That puts him above Jaden Hardy. What what have you seen? And that's it's, he did nothing at Kentucky. He didn't it, like it, and it, he it. didn't do the combine <laughs> stuff. And so that there's so much like I, I get what Shaden Sharp was coming out of high school, and I understand you gotta give a guy credit for that. But I just – I don't get where some of these, like, Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin, fantastic prospect. I like what Johnny Davis does. I like him. But to me, if you're going to have Johnny Davis ranked in the lottery, if you're going to have him in the top 13 to 15, Jaden Hardy needs to be there as well. Because if we're, if we're talking tools, J Johnny Davis is slightly taller than Hardy. So maybe, the, you know, the couple extra inches in height – is what's giving him that boost over Hardy. But Hardy's got a six foot nine inch wingspan. So even, you know, six four is not short. And with a six nine wingspan, even if you want to consider six four undersized, he's going to be able yeah. to guard bigger than yeah. six foot four. So it's, I hate to be on a soapbox, but there's just guys that I see above him that I don't think they should be. And it's, it's just, it's weird to me. And I know that, you know, I'm not some big NBA executive. I'm not running, you know, some of these draft sites. So I don't get to decide where they go. I, I think that we may get together and do a big board next year just so, you know, if I see a guy and I want to rank him higher, I can do it because it's my big board. 
but you know, <laughs> like, can, can you explain to me what Johnny Davis does at so much of a higher level that he should be 15 picks ahead of Jaden Hardy? No, man, I, I don't get it, man. There are a couple guys in the lottery and we're going to talk about all these guys. So we're not going to delve, delve deep into them, but Johnny Davis, AJ Griffin, like there are a lot of guys up there that I'm, you look at Jaden Hardy. I'm like, if you're going on potential and what these guys could be, Jaden Hardy is one of them, especially when you kind of look at these boards and look where he's going. Cause I think Takathon has him at 20 or 21, uh, right before the Grizzlies. I think I saw one that had him at 26, uh, right before we jumped on it. I'm thinking, why is it, why is he down at 26? What makes him any different than these other guys? Cause when I watch him on film, man, I love what I saw. And if, if I'm a team and I'll add a top, 15 pick man I mean I would he would be on my radar I mean I think he has that type of talent man I, I don't know especially when you look at Johnny Davis I think I think Jaden Hyde and Hardy's ceiling is definitely higher than, than Johnny Davis is like I don't know man because again man I think with with his potential to score I mean he's a walking bucket if you can hold that in um, like you said I think there's some playmaking potential there as well I, I again man when I look at this draft there's some guys that I think could end up being much better than what they projected at. And I think Jaden Hardy, if you had a short list of guys that are going outside of the lottery, they could end up being one of the top 10 players on this draft. I think Jaden Hardy is easily on that list because to me, I think he should be a lottery pick. Yeah. And I can, I can get where if you watch, did you watch much of his ignite film to see like there, there were times where it felt like he really struggled to create space against the higher level talent playing for the ignite. Yeah. That's, that's but, the thing about, uh, but to me, that's the thing about guys he, going to he, high school, jumping into the G league. It's just, it's kind of hard to evaluate because you just, you, you don't know. Like I, I would love to be able to, to see a guy play in the G league and then see him play in college as well. The kind of, compare yeah. because you, you don't know how to how to gauge it because you, you are going up against grown men. I mean, you're 18 years old, kind of you used to being the best player on the floor and then you jump into the G League and you're going against their 35-year-old guys out there, 30 years old. And you're like, man, these are grown men. And sometimes I think you're going to have really good games and there are going to be other times where you probably kind of get overwhelmed. So it, it's, it's an interesting give and take there, man. And that's why these G League guys are so interesting to me. As the years go on, I always watch to see how these guys kind of compare to to some of the top college guys yeah yeah that's uh i'm gonna have to to go back to last year and, and write down a few of those guys just to kind of watch it, it's it's gonna be i'm sure as the time goes on with this g league ignite thing that we're gonna kind of see a difference between the guys you know i think that there's gonna be a number of guys that go to that team instead of going to college and that's, you know, that's probably the best decision for them. That's why they're making that call. But you wonder, is that going to cost them money in the long run Yeah, because of where they're falling? You know, if you, you're you falling at the end of the first when you're a, a lottery-type talent, what type of contract difference is that going to make? And then, you know, it's if you got the talent, you're going to be in the NBA for a while. You're going to make plenty of money. But it's just something that I, I find interesting, and it's going to be something to watch moving forward. So we'll move on from him, our last prospect. And this is another another guy, you know, another young guy playing against grown men over in Europe. And that's why the numbers don't really – when you look at his numbers, there's nothing impressive 
uh, about his numbers. Eight points, uh, six point uh, six steals, point three blocks, one assist, three rebounds, sixty seven percent from the free throw line, twenty seven percent from three. And I'm telling you all of these things to tell you that this kid is going to be a lights out shooter in the NBA. And you're looking at me cross-eyed. He only shot 27% from three. Go watch film on Usman Dang and tell me that he's not going to be a good shooter. Watch him in transition. Watch him playing like off the dribble. He's probably, I would be willing to bet you that he's the best live dribble passer in this draft. And, and you know, I, I don't think after watching the video on him and, and reading about him, I don't think that there's any chance that he falls to the Grizzlies. It would be something where they have to trade up. I, I don't know that this is the type of player that the Grizzlies front office would target, that they would be willing to trade up to get him. Could be wrong. I never would have guessed that they were trading up to get Aldama last year at 30. So, you know, I obviously we have no idea what the front office is doing, but I really, really like six foot nine, seven foot wingspan crazy length his mobility for for his size is really really good and the the typical knock of not being an athletic player coming from you know being an international player I don't think that you can put that banner on Usman Jang no no he is he he's he's definitely not the, the normal player coming from Europe and like you said man he's only 19 years old uh six nine 185 pounds skinny, but but big big time wingspan, young and raw man, a lot a lot to work with. Uh, point forward ability, you see that right out the bat. Like you said, make it come down, pull up on on three off a transition. Really really good passer. I mean, you just don't usually see guys that size that can pass the basketball the way he does. And and as you said, the numbers don't show it. But again, man, you're playing in the NBL, uh, New Zealand Breakers with. Grown men. I mean, that's mm-hmm. thinking. I mean, he's he's super young, but I mean, you just watch film on him. Anybody that knows basketball and knows the game, you can see all the tools there. Um, I think you can just see, like I mean, and the thing is, it's it's all potential. But if if he reaches that ceiling, like he has, and and I know this is crazy to say, but I'm not a huge fan of the top of this draft anyway. But I think he has the potential. And I'm not saying he's going to be, but I think he has the potential to be the best player in this draft if he reaches his ceiling. And I know that's a high praise, but I really do feel that way. I mean, when you watch some of the stuff that you see from him jumps off the jumps off the film, and again, man, super young, super raw, just go to the right team, a team that's going to develop him and put some muscle on him. He's definitely going to get gain weight, uh, 6'9", 105. You wanted to put him, definitely want to get him up to around 200, 210, I think. But you just see a lot from him. And again, that, that three-point shooting number doesn't worry me at all. Like, I watch the shots that he does make in the form on him. If you even watch his video, his workout video from the combine, I mean, he's knocking down threes with ease. So, I'm again, man, I'm not worried about these numbers, especially, again, when you're talking about these prospects going to uh, the, the G League or going to NBL. Because even Jaden Hardy, we know the way that he can shoot the basketball. I've seen him. His three-point numbers weren't great either. And that doesn't worry me. I don't have any doubt that he's going to be a really good three-point shooter in the NBA, and the same thing with with Gene. I think he's going to be a three point shooter as well. And you're looking at 27.1, and you're going to be like, "What are you talking about? This guy can't throw it in the ocean." Just watch watch film on him. Uh, watch film on him again. I don't think he's going to be there for the Grizzlies. Uh, I think he's looking at the guy that he was. I, I saw him in the second round at one point, and that was maybe a month and a half ago. Man, he's 
working his way up. He's even at a lottery um, on, on some box now. And I think people yeah, see what we're the, seeing on film. The, the second round stuff, when you – I'll tell you exactly what that was. Like the the mocks that had him going in the second round were guys that had not done their like they haven't investigated the international players. That that's the there's nothing you can do to convince me that that was not the case because if they've watched this, if they've watched film on this kid and they still think that he's a second round pick, I, I've got to question their ability to to really you know, evaluate talent. Cause I just, it, it's there. He's got everything that you want from a guy, his size. Some guys just are effortless when they're shooting the ball and he's one of them, man. It just, the, the ball just glides out of his hand. I think that he has extremely high potential, you know, it, the passing ability, his size, I don't even know who yeah. to compare him to. Honestly, yeah, it, like, it's off the chart, I but. mean, Magic was a, was a big guy that could pass the ball crazy well, and, and I don't like – that's not something – like you don't compare players to a Hall of Fame player because that's just irrational. Like you can't say Magic was one of the best to ever do it. This kid's going to be like Magic. Yeah, he's going to be Magic, but, yeah. But guys – That's what people say that, too. Like you're like, yeah. they say those other things going to be Magic Johnson. No, not nah, what man. we're saying. But. Like the, 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 the size and the passing ability, you just don't really see it that, that – that often together. And so that that's, it's going to be fun to see in the NBA for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think whoever takes him, I mean, again, man, I'm, it's going to be interesting to watch him develop. But again, man, I think he has, like I said, if you're, you're not picking that top of the draft, I can't remember if that was who that was. It was Sam Presti. Uh, what, what GM? It was the GM they were talking to. Um, and they were saying that uh, they loved, loved him out of all the guys outside of, outside of the top, guys that you would think of that's the guy that they like the most you know I agree with him um I think because I think he has the potential again to be the best player in this draft because I'm again I'm not a, and we're going to find this out later we're going to talk about this I'm not a huge fan of the top of this draft there are guys like Jake Ivey and Keegan Murray I think are, are probably my favorite two prospects even out of the top guys we talk about Jeff uh Holmgren and um and Javari I think I would even Jake Ivey and Keegan Murray are over those guys to me we'll talk about that later but ding again i think has the potential to be that if he reaches that ceiling i think he could be right there with those guys and uh, uh, again man to see that they had that guy in the second round like a month ago that's crazy it's like you said it had to be because they've never watched their kid play because as soon as you turn on the film to me he's a first round pick you watch five seconds of him and you know he's at least a first round pick there, there's Age, no question about it. height plus wingspan yeah, just everything like he's, he checks all the boxes <laughs> I, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see him go 12 to OKC just because Presti yeah. and international I players think that's where like he's he loves going. them. Yeah. It, it's, I, I wouldn't be shocked. There's guys that maybe you can argue to take over him or whatever, but I just – a lineup in OKC with Josh Giddy, Poku, and this kid would just be ridiculous, man. J just insane. So much length, so much height. And so much playmaking ability, it, it pretty much doesn't even matter who you put on the floor with them at that point. You're going to have three guys that are able to to playmake at elite levels. So I, I don't really – I don't have much else, man. I, I think we've done uh, – these guys do justice. We will be back hopefully tomorrow. I'm working out of town. But the, the setup, I got a uh, hardwired internet connection. So I feel like this call went pretty well. We will uh, 
Maybe come back. Isaac, you down to do one tomorrow, man? Man, down to do one tomorrow, man. We got to gotta be fast and furious with it, man. Grizzlies make it to the second round. Last year, losing early in the first round gave us a little bit more time, man. We're going to try to get through pretty much all these prospects, man. So we're going to be hitting you hard and heavy, man. Uh, so, yeah, man, I'm down. Be back tomorrow night, man. Uh, looking at talking about some more prospects, man. I'm, I'm excited. All right. Sounds good, guys. We appreciate you listening. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at David W2111. Got to let you know about our girl Candace. She is starting her uh, Seahawks podcast. Yeah, man. That, that yeah. is going live. She's already recorded a couple episodes. We have submitted that. So that's going to be going on iTunes very soon. You can get her on Twitter. She She's still talking about Grizzly stuff, but she's going to transition into football. She will be with us throughout the offseason talking about free agents and different stuff like that. She's at CandaceH901. Make sure you go and give her a follow and keep an eye out for that Seahawks coverage. Isaac's going to let you know where you can find him and get us out of here. Yeah, man, you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals, I-S-A-A-C underscore Rivals. Again, man, going to be fans and furious, man. We're going to be breaking down these prospects, man, bringing you a lot of content, a lot of special guests. So make sure you be keep it locked right here uh, to eat those Grizzlies, man, because we're going to be coming at you, bringing the content, man. Again, man, hitting it hard and heavy, man. One of our favorite times of the year, uh, draft coverage. And, man, going into what is draft, June 25th, uh, we'll be coming up until that day. Uh, so if you want to learn about these draft prospects, man, this is the place to be. Uh, if you followed our coverage last year, you know that, man. I don't know if anybody kind of hit this stuff as hard as we did last season. So, man, excited about it. Going to be coming with a lot of content. We'll be back tomorrow night. Break down the football Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow night. David, behind